Thank you, church. Uh, church, I can just go ahead and encourage you and to kind of second on what um, Pastor Tom had just said. This process is not easy for any party, uh, for youth pastor, pastor, worship pastor. Change is hard for every church and every person and every situation. Um, but church, I, I want to uh, reassure you of, your, of the leadership that you have at the helm here at North Linco, um, who, have, who have carefully considered every step, every issue, every thing that would be done, said, or, or had planned um, that has been completely stepped through and prayed about over your, over, with your staff, your leadership, and, and students who are, who are here, whether it's me or whether it's not me, I want to encourage you guys to know that your church, your pastor, your leadership cares about you and loves you, and that says so much about this church and its leadership. This morning, it is, is it not on? If I throw this thing off, I'm sorry, because my head is real big, and this thing is not, and so uh, if, that, if that happens, I apologize. Um, so nonetheless, this morning, I want to talk about um, an encounter that we see with Jesus, and it, it's, it's the second half of this, or the rest of the, a little bit of the rest of the chapter that Laney just read in John chapter 20, so if you've got your Bibles, please turn there to John chapter 20, and we'll pick up where Laney left off. In this community in this area, in this county, the last few weeks has been hard. It's been tough. People who knew what's gone on, people who don't know what's gone on, people in this whole entire country and, and the surrounding world. I saw the, the image that Goebel put up of, of how much impact that, uh, that, that, that was experienced with a funeral service last week, about where it was seen and what happened. It was amazing, astounding. But not only that, I, I know in, the, in, in people's lives, stuff happens, whether it's school Work, jobs, family circumstances, death, confusion, chaos, all of these things happen, and it kind of boils down to about three things. It boils down to that basically there are a lot of things in our lives that have not made sense, that have not gone according to our plan, and they have not turned out the way that we expected them to, to turn out. Things that don't make sense to us, things that, that if we could have, have done that, we, we would have changed them. And so I want to look at an encounter in which Mary Magdalene probably goes through these, these, these three questions and, and, and asks the question that you see up here, what's next? What happens next in my life? What happens next for me spiritually? Where do I go from here when I've encountered a situation that does not make sense to me, that doesn't turn out the way that I thought it would, or has ultimately confused me? A little bit of background about, about Mary Magdalene. Uh, she's a Jewish woman from the fishing city, fishing city of Magdala, which is near the Sea of Galilee, uh, she's a very vital part of Jesus' ministry. We see her all throughout the four gospels, especially at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. She was one of his closest followers, and rightfully so, because in Luke chapter 8, um, Jesus encounters Mary and casts seven demons out of her. A very, very vital part of Jesus' ministry. And as we, we talk through it, as, as, as Laney just read, we see in the, in the first verses, we're going to pick up in verse um, 11 this morning, but as Lenny talked about in the first 10 verses, where we pick up, where we're going to pick up in, in, in John chapter 20, it is Sunday. Yes, it's Sunday here, and we're going to pick up, it's Sunday there. It's Sunday, and it has been three days since Jesus died, and Mary is going to the tomb to prepare Jesus' body with oils and spices for a proper burial and whatnot, and she sees the empty tomb first and then goes to Peter and John to look as well, and we see in verse 2, and, and Lenny read this, you can sense and see the fear and the confusion that is in Mary's heart. 
that she completely panics when she sees the empty tomb and sprints to go see Peter, sprints to go get Peter and John and to, so they can come see and so maybe somebody somewhere somehow can make sense of what has just happened. Peter and John go and they see the tomb and they're amazed. It's crazy, but they, have it. they don't understand everything. As they said, they, don't, they didn't realize or remember all the times that Jesus had gone through scripture and, or had call, talked about and seen that he was gonna do exactly what they had just experienced. So but when they come to the tomb, they see Jesus to do those things, but then they leave. And all that's left there at the tomb is Mary. She's scared, she doesn't understand, she doesn't realize what's going on. This is where we pick up. John chapter 20, starting in verse 11 and reading on. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she was crying, she stopped to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord, she told them, and I don't know where they've put him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it that you're seeking? Supposing that he was the gardener, she replied, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary, and turning around, she said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus told her, since I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and to your God. Mary, verse 18, Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and she told them what he had said to her. Pray with me, if you will. Father God, we are thankful for your truth. God, we are thankful for your word. And God, I pray that it may not fall on deaf ears this morning. God, aside from a vote, aside from a position, God, I just pray that your will is done in this place and through your people and through your servant. God, move hearts, break chains, and let lives be changed this morning from the preaching of your gospel and your truth. These things are your name, amen. Amen, amen. Talking through verses 11 through 15, very quickly. I'm gonna read those again. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she was crying, she stepped in to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been lying, one on the head and one on the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord, she told them, and I don't know where they've put him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know who it was. Jesus replied to her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're seeking? Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him so that I will take him away. As we see, we saw in verse 2, in this same state, in the same conversation, in this same circumstance, Mary is upset. Mary is upset. Mary is broken. Mary is confused. Mary does not know what has gone on. She's absolutely hopeless. Absolutely hopeless after what she's seen has transpired. That there was, she, she had spent time with Jesus. She had been, in, had been a part of his ministry, had been a follower of him, a very close one at that. And then she's at, the, she's at the, the cross. She sees him murdered. She sees him brutally beaten and, and sees him die. And she saw where they rolled a massive stone in this hole in a mountain or in a, in a cave somewhere. She saw all these things transpired. So three days later when she shows up, she's confused. She has no idea, why has this happened? Why is this, why, why is this the way that, wh- where have they taken him? Where's Jesus? What are we gonna do? They're gonna come after us. They're gonna do all these things. What has happened? 
And I think that sometimes we have a similar reaction. Why? Because those three things I talked about. Things have not made sense. What has happened with, what has happened with Mary has not made sense. They've not, they've not gone according to her plan. She thought that she would show up at this tomb and that she'd prepare the body and that all, th- all these things would be there and things have not made sense to her. And they have not turned out the way they expect, what we expected. And basically, that's kind of how we have that same reaction. And, and ultimately, in this moment, she fully went to the tomb on Sunday to find a body in the tomb. She 110% shows up on Sunday with the oils and the spices to prepare the body. Why? Because she expected a body to be there. And yet all throughout these three years of ministry, Jesus had told them, I have to, I have to tear down the temple and rebuild it in three days. I, I, I'm going to, I, he, he constantly prophesied in all of the gospel and talks about what's going to happen, and yet they missed it. It didn't show, it didn't, it didn't happen like they thought. It wasn't this, you know, and, they, and ultimately most of, the, most of the individuals thought Jesus would have come and have this militant overthrow and do all these things. That's what the Messiah was supposed to do. And so when it seemed like he had died, what happens now? This guy that we followed, this person that had performed all these miracles, what happens now? Where do we go from here? He's dead. And then Mary shows up to the tomb, and it's like, well, now what? Where is, what, what is going on? We've seen Jesus work and move in our lives, and we see in the lives of others, and, and, and we know who Jesus is. We, we claim to be Christians. We do all these things. We, we can talk about our salvation. We can talk about healings. We can talk about God's providence. We can talk about all these things, but when stuff, get, when stuff happens in our lives that we don't understand, we go, God, where are you at? Why, is, why can't I understand this? Why is this not the way that things were supposed to happen? Why is, it, why are they, why is, this, why is this going on? Why me? Why can I not understand this? This doesn't make sense to me. And Mary's asking those same questions. When life produces things that we don't understand, we become circumstantial in our faith. And what that looks like is we make our trust and our dependence on Christ equal with what's going on in our lives right now. My faith is circumstantial. Why? It's God, what have you done for me lately? Why, how good do I feel about God right now? And that's the level of my faith towards him. That's, the, that's the, the depth of my faith and how I'll serve him and how I'll love him. It's what's, what's God, what have you done for me lately? And Mary may, Mary may feel that. She's mixed with fear. She's mixed with, I'm just confused. I'm all these things. And what's crazy is Mary's had something absolutely crazy happen with her. She's had seven demons cast out of her. She knows the power and miraculous workings of Jesus. Yet when it came to an empty tomb, she had no confidence in who Jesus was. When it came to the empty tomb, she had no idea what was going to happen. No idea what happened next. When stuff comes, when, when stuff like what has happened in our lives in the past two weeks, in this community, in this church, and maybe it has nothing to do with that, maybe you're just having a tough time in your relationships or at work or whatever, when things happen that you understand, God, what now? God, I go to church. God, I'm faithful. God, I, I read, I read scripture, I praise, I worship, I do, I serve, I do all these things. What now, God? What's next? We're going to see that. Moving on to verses 16 and 17. Jesus said to her, Mary, turning around, she said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher, don't cling to me, Jesus told her, since I have not ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and tell them what I am ascending to you, to my Father and to your Father, and my God 
in your gut. I've always, when I've read this scripture, I've always asked this question, why does she not recognize Jesus? Why does she not recognize Jesus? I've never understood that. If I was with somebody for three years and had done a bunch of ministry with them and had walked around with them, probably stayed in the same place, eating tons of meals. If you look at me, I eat a lot of meals. and it's, I, rec- I know the people that I hang out with. I recognize them. I know the people that I hang out with and the people that I do stuff with, people that I serve with. Mary certainly knew who Jesus was, and it was strange that she did not immediately recognize him. And some think it was because she was emotionally distressed and had tears in her eyes or whatever. Others, others speculate that it was because Jesus looked somewhat different, retaining at least some of the marks of his suffering. This is a quote from a, theolo- from a theologian. She, she, she did not expect him there, and so she was totally preoccupied with her thoughts and distressors. Jesus did not immediately reveal himself to Mary. It wasn't to be mean or confusing or tricky. It was to break through her unbelief and forgetfulness of Jesus' promise of resurrection that he gives in. Basically, Jesus had to have a moment where Mary was as broken as broken could be. Jesus wanted Mary to meet him, not because of this miraculous thing that had happened, but I think, I think Jesus wants, to re, wants Mary to realize that you're broken, you're upset, you're confused, and you need to realize that you need a savior. You need to realize it's not. It's not a. It's she didn't. She didn't. He want, I think he, Jesus wants her to realize that it's not about her confusion of they're going to come after us or what happens next to the disciples. I mean, all my friends. Her next concern should be God. I need you. When things happen, when things are confusing, when we don't know why things have happened, when we don't know why things have gone down the way that they've gone down, when we don't know what comes next, our first thing to realize and say, God, I just need you. God, I just need a savior. I just need to be reminded of who you are and who I'm not. I need to know who Jesus is and remind myself that I'm not him. That I'm not a God. I'm not gonna try to play God because if that was the case, we'd be in a world of hurt. And also she pleads with Jesus and reasons with him and reasons with the gardener that she will do whatever it takes to take care of the body. She would do anything just to find the answer to her grief and we do the same. God, I'll commit my life to you if you let me pass this storm. Jesus, me and my family will be faithful in our serving and getting to church. Jesus, we will do this. We will serve in the children's department. We'll serve in the church. I'll mop the floors. I'll mop somebody else's floors. I'll do all of these things if you just rescue me from my grief. If you just take away whatever I'm going through, God, I'll give everything to you. And that may last for a moment. But if there's no real change, if you don't recognize the real need for a savior, you're still in a real place of hurt. You're still in a real place of brokenness. You're still in a place of confusion. Because you have to realize that everything you think you are, you are not. And everything that you think he is, he's that and so much more. That there's a God that loves you. There's a God that will sustain you in the confusion and the chaos and the work and the I don't know and the big question marks of life. There's a God who loves you, who a God, a God who has ministered to you and a God who ultimately has sent his son to save you from your sins. However long ago that was and however long ago you've decided to accept that or maybe you haven't, that's what we've got to realize in times of brokenness is I need to be reminded that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and I can do nothing without him. If that's not the first, if I don't, if the first place that we go in times of confusion, chaos is not the cross, then we need to reevaluate our concerns and our priorities. So why does she not recognize Jesus? She doesn't recognize her need for a savior. She just recognizes her needs of what comes next, not her needs for the savior. 
But when does it change? When does it change? When does she recognize Jesus? And mm, this is good. Whether you, whether you vote yes or not, I don't care. This is good. This is good stuff. When does it change? When he calls her by name. When, he, when, he, when, he, when he's in her midst, she speaks to him, but things change when Jesus answers. Things change when Jesus answers. Mm. She, she sees what she, think might be, what she thinks might be Jesus, what might be the, the gardener or whatever. But when she, when she hears the voice of her Savior, she says, oh, teacher, oh, God. And there's just this moment of embrace and of, of, of encouragement. Why? Because she recognizes in that moment her Savior. She fails to see that. She, doesn't, she misses that. And, in, and, and when she sees this and has this encounter and Jesus answers, she finds her direction and comfort and peace. And we have that same assurance that we can find direction and comfort and peace when we hear from Jesus. We call out to him in those times, and sometimes we don't know whether the answer is yes or no or maybe or wait or not right now or whatever. In those times that you're going through in your life that our community is going through of God, why? Why now? God, why me? Why us? When we cry out and we wait patiently on the answer and the call that Jesus will give to us, and maybe sometimes that answer is no. Maybe sometimes that answer is yes. So maybe it's sometimes be patient. What if it's wait? What if it's not right now? James chapter one says, trials and tribulations come to test the steadfastness of your faith. Maybe God is putting us through this test to see how strong will we really be? How hard will we cling to the cross? But when Jesus answers, things change. When Jesus answers, things change. In every trial, circumstance, and heartache, every answer that he gives, no matter what it is, points us back to the healing that took place on Calvary. So as I wrap up, I don't, I'm not someone who's gonna preach forever, because look again, look at me, I like to eat and I'm hungry. <laughs> but I'm never, never gonna get down to that question. Well, what next? What next? Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews chapter four. Verses 14 through 16 says this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to the confession, to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we many and we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So what next? Well, Hebrew 4 chapter tells us that when we realize the fully man yet fully God sympathizes with us in our weakness, that our Savior is ready, willing, and able to give us mercy and pour out his grace when things do not go according to our plan. The way he works and our expectations rarely match up, but let us approach today his throne boldly with our needs and our confessions. So what next? What do I do in one of these times? Approach the throne of God. Approach the throne of God. When those things happen, who's the first person you call? Your mom, your dad, your best friend? Is the first, is the first place you go to an altar 
a, 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 a room, a, a moment to where you can approach the throne of God in boldness and approach his grace because that's what we need? Is that what we do? If I'm, if I'm transparent and honest, it's usually not. I blow up somebody's phone with my issues and my concerns of why me? I call all my friends so that they can, they can reassure me that I'm in the right and everybody else is in the wrong. And I'll, I'll send you my, you have my resume and my references. You can call them and ask them. I do, the, I, do the, I do that. But in all honesty, what does he, when those things happen, I need to approach the throne of God with boldness with my confessions, with my brokenness. Why? Because Jesus, who is fully God yet fully man, says, I have been where you're at and I did it without sin and I will get you through what you're going through. When was the last time? In the past week, in the past two weeks, whatever you've gone through in your life, when's the last time you approached the throne of God boldly with your brokenness as a transparent sinner in need of a savior? When's the last time that happened? Because let me reassure you, when when we have those issues where we're confused, we don't understand, things that work out the way we expected, there's only one place that we can go that we'll find those answers. It's at the foot of Jesus, at the foot of the cross, the throne that is fully occupied, he has not left, and bring our confessions boldly before the throne of God. So that's, 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 I think that's one reaction, the first reaction that we have. The next one, go back to John chapter 20, verse 18. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said to her. The change that's happened in Mary's attitude. We see in the early, early part of this chapter, she's fearful, she's scared, she's afraid. Mary goes from being paralyzed with fear and with questions to sprinting in victory because of what Jesus had done in her life. After we have that moment where we encounter Jesus, where we come before the throne, we bring our, our, our hurts, our brokenness, our questions, we bring all of those things. Maybe we find answers, maybe we don't in that time. Keep approaching that throne. But when Mary gets the reassurance that she had in her grief, her reaction is to go and tell all the disciples, and I imagine everyone that she encountered with, and says, I have seen the Lord. How powerful is that statement? In our brokenness, in our hopelessness, in the hard times, the good times, in every situation, are you able to say that no matter what I'm going through, I have seen Jesus? Because it not only encourages you, I'll just be the first to tell you, telling other people about Jesus, it should be an encouraging thing, and I hope it is. Because there are others, whether they're Christians or or whether they're not, who need Jesus. Who need to know that in their hopelessness, in their brokenness, in their question marks that they're in in their life, we need to know that we can and we have seen Jesus. We need to know that we can and we have seen Jesus. We've been in these times of hopelessness and brokenness. We've been in these times of confusion that we don't understand what's going on. But I've approached the throne of Christ boldly with my confessions and approached the throne of grace and said, I have seen the Lord. 
Not boastful, not boastful, not arrogant. That's the last thing we need are arrogant Christians. But out of a thankful and grateful heart for what God has done in and through you and in spite of you. So when things are out of our, out of our control, when things are stressful, when things are hopeless, let it be said that we as the children of the Most High have boldly approached our king, our high priest, with our confessions. Let us thankfully receive his grace and then let us go and declare in the darkest and bleakest moments, in our brokenness, in our emptiness, in the good times, the bad times, let it be said of God's people, of God's church, of North Glencoe, of Glencoe, or whatever, let it be said of God's children that we have seen the Lord. That we know who Jesus is. We know who Jesus is in the, in the times of encouragement. We know who Jesus is in the times that are darkest in our life. And church, it would be false for anyone or any, anybody to say that we're just supposed to power through what's gone on in your community the last few weeks. It'd be ignorant to say something like that because there's real hurt, there are real questions, and there's real brokenness. But in the midst of all those things, there's a real God. There's a real God who sits on the throne and welcomes and inhabits the praises and prayers of his children. So in this time that we have of, of invitation or, or whatever happens next, church, I just encourage you. I, I beg of you. I plead with you. Approach the throne of your high priest. Approach the throne of your God, of your Father, the one who occupies the throne, the one who sits on the throne from now until forevermore, who inhabits the prayers and, and praises of his children. Come experience Jesus for yourself at this altar today. There are things in your life that are broken. There are things in your life that, you, that, that cause you hurt. There are things in your life that cause other people hurt. Whether you, well, you say, Matt, well, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not hurting today. You know, my life's been going pretty good. Well, can I, just, can, I, can, I, can I just tell you something for a second? You either know somebody who's going through these things or you're about to. That's not a threat. That's not anything. It's just it's, that's how life works. So whether you're not feeling that way today, that's okay. You can pray for somebody who is. I, can know, about five, I know about five or six people off the top of my head who, 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 laid, to, who laid to rest a nine-year-old little girl who need prayer. A family in Rainbow City who lost their daughter this week who need prayer. We can go through for hours and hours the individuals in our lives that we know need prayer. So maybe you don't feel that way today. You know people who are or you're about to. Church, I beg you, approach the throne of your father this morning. Come before him boldly with your brokenness, with your confessions, so that you can leave this place and boldly declare, you have seen the Lord. This altar is open. Tom is here. I'm here. I know that there's, for the people whom I've been so gracious to, to meet, and there are so many people here who will pray for you and love on you.